0: So today's episode is an answer to a listener question that we got asked, and that is, would you guys be happy for your child if they told you that they were gay? And so obviously these conversations are happening more and more and more. We are experiencing relatives who are saying that they are gay or children are Coming to parents and saying that this is happening or um, we're just around these things. And so even if our children aren't struggling with that themselves or questioning their own gender identity, then They're going to have questions about why is that person struggling with their gender identity. And these are going to be conversations that we're going to need to have with our children. So we're going to have that conversation with you guys today. This is going to be an ongoing conversation, but I'm looking forward to it. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, give it a thumbs up. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. And we will see you guys, well, just on the other side of the intro, actually. Yeah, we're not
1: going anywhere. We're just going to be
0: here. (laughs) I'm used to doing the outro. I feel like.
1: The Now That We're a Family Podcast.
0: So, when we're considering the topic of gender, gay, would I be happy if my child was gay? The whole LGBTQ plus movement. I think it's important to consider that every practice comes with a worldview attached to it. And so we can't isolate these settings or these you know questions and be like oh well do we want our children to be happy Yes, we want our children to be happy. Do we want what's best for our children? Yes, we want them to be, uh, we want what's best for them. Do we want uh, what's best for them regardless of what society, you know, whether society is going to applaud them for it or not applaud them for it? Yes, we aren't contingent on other people's approval of what our children are doing to value what our children are doing. But do we want what our children define as happiness outside of scripture and what that says is true? No. We don't, yeah. and so we have to have a filter through which we encourage our children and uh, what they're pursuing
1: yeah I mean there's it's the age- old question by what standard like what where are you basing any pursuit of happiness from is it with you being the ultimate authority your emotions, your feelings in the moment uh, and, and even that's what's so funny about choosing to worship your feelings and your emotions and to have those be your Lord and master? Those are like the most unpredictable things in the world, and you become a slave. I mean, we are prior to Christ, we are slaves to our natural inclinations, to our sinful desires. And then, when you are saved, when you're brought out of that, you are then a slave. To Christ. And people don't like using that terminology, but that's the terminology that the Bible uses. We want to view ourselves as being like servants or willingly serving the Lord. And of course, we want our heart posture to be in submission to Him, but we belong to Him. He purchased us. And the language that the Bible uses is that we are a slave to our sin, and then we're a s- prior to Christ, and then we are now a slave to Christ. And He's our Lord and Master. And so when we go to God's Word, it's not this optional. Uh, I get, it's not one of many options. It's not like, well, I'll take this study and I'll see what's going on in culture and then I'll base it off of my natural inclinations. And then, you know, I'll give into account my, my, I guess my family, my heritage, you know, and then I'll consider my genetics and then, yeah, I'll I'll reference the Bible as well. It's like, no, that's the ultimate authority. And it is pretty bizarre how, when this questions like these are asked, even people that are Christians will quickly go to studies or they'll go to uh you know psychologists or they'll go to you know n- data that is you know going to be out of date in like a 6 months but they'll go to the most recent study and they'll be like oh okay this is how we need to view it if our child says this rather than going to God's word and w- and having that be the standard by which we address the questions
0: yeah i like how you bring this up i think that when we go to God's word we need to first come with the belief system that God has our best interest at heart. He designed us and he knows what's best. He loves us and he knows what's best. And the way that we operate best is within the framework that he gives us in his word. It's not that we go to God's word and criticize God's word and say, well, well, that's not very loving or that's not very appropriate, or that's not socially acceptable. Um, We talk about this a lot in our submission episode, we need to go instead and look and see, okay, where's the blessing? I'm missing out on the blessing because I do not see the positives here. To me, this sounds really... Uh, hurtful or hateful or unloving. And so where am I wrong? Hmm. Not how is God's scripture wrong? How am I reading this wrong? How have I been brainwashed by the world's agenda to think that the most loving thing I can do for my child is affirm Hmm. whatever their gender identity is? What's wrong with me? Not what's wrong with God's word. It's not lining up with my reality and what society says should be true.
1: Yeah. And again, we're talking about uh, you know, the sexual orientation or gender identity. And again, it's like, I, I don't even know how to uh, like categorize the, no, the we're going to kind of all talk but, about
0: it blanket and switch and swap terms because it's just too hard to be specific with this.
1: Yeah. Um, and, but it's funny that you have to do that in all categories of life. Mm-hmm. You re you really do. And it is interesting how we've gotten to this place that I think most Bible believing Christians, yeah, most Christians, would acknowledge like, man, this is chaos. How many you know? How many genders can people claim to have now? Or what's you know like men can marry men women can marry women? Like you know, men can get pregnant. Like it's just stuff's crazy, and you're like, this is nuts. And you want to? It's it, that that is true, and we naturally go to you know the whole prescription. Like, how do we take care of this? Is there are there band aids that we can do? Or are there is there some sort of prescription that we can uh, you know use to address these issues and oftentimes we fail to acknowledge the heart of these issues. And I'm not, sit- not going to sit here and say that I understand deeply the heart of it, but it's like the further you go back in just people not looking to God's word as the authority in very small ways. it This is the creep. This is the creep that happens. And then you, you get to this point where you go back to even, you know, I think Rosaria Butterfield talks a lot about this, um, you know, feminism being within the church, being, the what's led to you know the whole sexual dysphoria that's going on and saying women saying i'm gonna i'm gonna separate my gender from my sex even in the roles in which they practice in in their life and and from there you're like oh well that doesn't seem like that big of a deal and pretty much like every church would be on board with that they're like well what's the natural progression of this is it's not just in how i actually practice and and you know uh perform my, what they call their gifts, you know, within the church, it's, it actually comes down to then body mutilation and changing your body and, and transgenderism. Like it results in that once you start separating gender from sex and, and all of that and God's, you know, perfect design.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I really want to touch on this, uh, awesome resource. You may have already heard of it, but I really encourage you to read the book, love thy body. Um, who's it by? I don't even have the, oh Pierce, Nancy Piercy, I believe, Um, It's a phenomenal resource if someone that you truly love and want the best for is going through um, some kind of confusion around gender and because it just gives you insight into what God's design was for them, and how it's actually unloving to affirm anything outside what God's design was. Mm. Um, applying that same-sex identity, you need to disassociate. And people who are dealing with this, they're needing to disassociate the top half— their mind, their brain, their feelings—with the bottom half, which is their, you know, bodily gender, mm. and. It's really fragmenting, it's self-alienating on the human personality, and a biblical ethic or morality places a really high view on the dignity and significance of the body. And the biblical ethic is the only one that doesn't, there's this harmony there between the top and the bottom, and we aren't conflicted. And so if someone's struggling and they're feeling like conflicted with what's going on in their brain and what's going on in their physical body, We need to seek uh, reconciliation between those two things. We need to look to the physical body for cues on how we should then um, control our brains and our feelings and work with that instead of looking at, okay, well, I'm just going to disassociate because that's just so painful on a human to have two different things going on. And we really see this happening with abortion as well, with Um, just hook up culture we see this disassociation from the emotions the feelings the thoughts of a person on that top half and on the bottom level this just oh well you're just a piece of meat to be thrown around don't associate any feelings with any sexual act don't associate any emotion you know with any of these things all it is is you know like they said on one of these um like a kid sex ed, vi- sex ed video, sexual relations are just two, something that two adults do to give each other pleasure. Like there's no mention of marriage and family and
1: procreation. Pro- yeah,
0: yeah. Even like the spiritual act, yeah. like it's just two things you do to, you know, bring each other pleasure. You can be eating cake and basically have the same description.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just so much more than that.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. And so how would you go? Going back to that, then I'm not fully sure I was tracking with you. Um, what what would the difference then be in if so if the, if that's detachment, mm-hmm. what would people be if they buy into like okay I'm gonna then let what my body's telling me inform my brain and they're unified in that way does that make sense where it's like I think that's where a lot of people get to is they're like no they then let their body inform their brain and then they feel very they're like the only way I can be a whole person it's is by if I-
0: changing the body instead of changing the mind right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's Just-
0: when we're going through like sex change surgery or mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, there was a great point, I guess, brought up in Love That Bo- Thy Body. And she was explaining how with all these studies in an MRI – you're shown these images, right? And some of the people in the study, their brains would light up when they saw, you know, say a male, he would light up when he saw male images. Some of the men would light up when they saw female images. But they also noticed that the brain would light up in response to fear, love, religious experiences. A lot of different things can stimulate our brains. And, but just because our brain lights up at something, it doesn't tell us if it's right or wrong, moral or immoral. And so basically we are able to see here that um, the mind and the feelings and the desires of the upper body are really all that the world says counts. The The physical body doesn't count. And we see that with, um, and that's the distinction, I guess, that I'm trying to draw here, is the one that we think doesn't count that can be changed. It doesn't matter if we, you know, mutilate it or not, is our actual physical body. And we see that with abortion now. We now have a term for a person, which is a human Mm non-person. So we aren't arguing that life begins at conception anymore. We agree it does, but that's still a non-person because we've separated. A person has moral and legal standing on the top because they can think, right, and reason. And on the The bottom half of that equation is the body, which is just an expendable biological Mm -hmm. organism. And um, the assumption is that the body gives no clue to our identity, no guidance as to what our sexual choices should be. It's irrelevant and insignificant. Mm -hmm. So instead of letting our, I guess it's just flipping the equation, instead of letting our brain determine what our body should be, we need to be looking at, well, God designed my body this way he could have designed it differently. And so I need to reconsider how I'm going to, um, I need to look for healing on the top half of my body, not on the bottom half mm-hmm. of my body. I need to look for healing in my mind. And, um, I think, hold on, there's one thing that I thought was really interesting that they brought up. Um, oh my goodness, where is it?
1: You know, that's interesting. Yeah, Cause ahead. I think that, a. Uh... Is, I think it's, the, uh, it's that Catholic podcast, um, Pints with Aquinas. I think he speaks really well to this, where how even within the church, when you de- depart from even... And this is, I think, going touching again on what, Ros- what Rosie Butterfield was mentioning within the church, is that we've kind of done the same thing. And we've said that like our sex doesn't really determine our roles, for instance. Our sex doesn't determine how we are to function within a family. Or how we're going to function within the church, we can all kind. Of, it's all kind of interchangeable, and that was the point that she was making, is that what once you like give ground there, it's the, the natural progression we're seeing right here, where it's like, well, he can raise the kids, she can raise the kids, you know, she can work outside of the home, he can work, like masculine, feminine. It doesn't, you know, th- that doesn't equate to female, male, uh, and rather than acknowledging, like, no, actually, the way God comprised my body. Should also be a part of how I'm choosing to, uh, see, you know, see my roles in.
0: Whereas, like the, we obviously live in a 21st century where certain things are available for women, or certain things are available, like a dad can be stay at home or something like that, in our culture. But looking to our bodies as, okay, the woman was created to be the primary nurturer and caregiver of the children, just the way we were designed that says that that's the case. Now, that doesn't mean she can't bring in money or that the husband can't come home and help, no. but that is how the woman was designed. Mm-hmm. And so we need to look to those things. I found what I was looking for, Timothy Keller, he gives this example whereas where I guess if a guy is walking down the street and he's feeling all of these urges of aggression that are socially unacceptable, right? His first thought is not, well, I'm just an angry person, so I can go around bashing in windows and and doing all these things, or even It's totally fine to feel all this anger, even if I'm not acting on it. His first thought is, okay, well, I need to go seek help or deliverance from therapy. I need to go to some kind of anger management, something. I need help in this area. So when our top half and our bottom half are conflicted, it doesn't mean we don't need to go seek help. Just what area are we looking for help in? I oppose that, I guess that, say, the guy walking down the street having an aggression issue. When it comes to sexual desire, if he walks down the street and thinks women are attractive, or if he thinks men are attractive, then culture just says, well, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference.
1: Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. His
0: physical body is not defining um, which part needs help, I mm-hmm. guess. It's not that he needs hormones. It's not that he needs to change the way he was created. We need to look for help in that area, not look for help in the, um, just as we would if something was wrong with. Aggression or something like that
1: yeah and that is the interesting thing about I don't know you know it's so, always so interesting when I briefly get outside of my echo chamber I'm like what is the rest of the you know world talking about and then what's the rest of like the Christianity talking about because uh, and, and even in having this conversation part of me was reluctant because I was like do we like what what are people thinking about that and and I think I'm wondering if there's like two different people that we could speak to and, and cause I would venture to guess that the majority of our audience would say, yeah, homosexuality is a sin. They are Bible believing families. And they're like, we are not going to affirm, you know, the, the, the gender that they, you know, weren't, weren't born with, you know, that's not aligned with their sex. Um, I don't think our audience is that, but I do think there is, we find ourselves and, and I was definitely in this with a lot of people that, I Timothy and Keller might've even been one of these people that, you know, would kind of accept those terms like gay Christian, mm-hmm. you know, that the whole celib choosing to be celibate and saying, but these, this is my natural inclination is to be attracted. And that's so dangerous. It's like, mm-hmm. and that's not, and that's and to getting back to the question that sparked all this, we would not accept that or, or encourage that or be happy for our son, you know, or daughter if they said, yeah, okay. Cause, cause I think there's two categories. There's one where a, our child rejects the faith and they live in a lifestyle of homosexuality. And that would break our heart on so many levels. Rejecting the faith. Partaking in just any sin, you know, that comes... Rejecting the to, faith being yeah. really the only thing. And then Everything from else, that's going to come just, you know, living a life of sin. But, um, so that would break our heart. And we would not be happy about... There's, you know, it's like, would we love our child? Absolutely. And we would pray fervently for them. And we would plead with God to bring them bring back to repentance. Uh, and so... But then there's also the category of like our child, and, and this is just such a weird category. Is it's like oh my, I'm only attracted to to men. Like if this is our son saying I'm only attracted to men, but I see with the that it's a sin to partake in that, so I'm just going to be a gay Christian. And it's like no, you can't, you don't define yourself as a Christian with something that is acknowledged as a sin. And, and James White does a great debate on this. I mean, again, I don't know how many people actually think that. So, it's like
0: I think it's a very large percentage of the population that that would be Christians but struggle with same sex attraction. they would define themselves as a gay Christian, and I think that um I was also looking up an article, and we'll link these resources down below because I think we need to be combating the if you're in this in this space right now you need to be combating what the worldview is telling what the secular worldview is telling you about what to think and how to act in these situations because the way that we do show Christ's love is through saying hey this is not I can't be happy for you in this situation because this isn't a situation that you will be happiest in straight up it's anti-God it's separating you from God that's like asking well would you be happy if your child was a paraplegic no, their body's not functioning properly.
1: Yeah, well, and also just there's something more important than their happiness too.
0: Well, that's the first thing. Oh. Yeah, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, and then the other thing would be: would we be happy if they're walking in sin and separation from God? Yeah. Like, like we need to rephrase the question because this is what the question means. Right. Because it's really easy as a parent to be like, well, I want my child to be happy. And so we see a lot of parents going back on what they believe to be true because they aren't clear on what their worldview is. Yeah. And what that question is asking is are you going to be happy and supportive of your child walking in sin and separation from God?
1: Yeah. And it I mean, it's interesting. I, I think I just I just recently heard this said that and I don't know who said it, but it's like we're all conservative on that which we understand the most. And it's like the more you understand God's design. The more you like want to conserve that, and I think that because of just whatever biblical, you know, illiteracy or um, liberalism creeping into the church, we stopped seeing the act, the significance of God's design in the family and the beauty of that original design. And a lot of Christians that were just kind of like, "Well, all that matters is Jesus. Well, all that matters is the gospel." And then they would say things, "Well, we're all sinners," you know, like we all. I guess some men struggle with you know looking at women that aren't their wife and some men struggle. And so I guess if they're not partaking, then we can find a category for that. And and you can point all the way back to not conserving that actual truth, which is in, in God's word. And it's interesting how, when you look at the, uh, like I said, when this, when this plays out, going back to that James White debate, maybe we can link that too. Cause I thought that was yeah, really see. helpful. It was, it was James White debating a guy that identified as a, as a gay Christian. Um, and him saying, again, you go to the heart even within that whole lusting after a woman, the Matthew five, you know, it says you've heard it been said that if a, if a man, you know, commits adultery or
0: if he lusts after a woman in his heart, then he's committed adultery that's what
1: he, that he says. Yeah. Cause he basically, Jesus, he wasn't saying like the old law is bad. He's saying there's actually more to it. Like what ha- what's taking place in your heart also matters. You're just as guilty if it's in your heart. And so you're like, okay, well that does away with that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I have this propensity to lust after, you know, the same sex, but I'm not going to act on it. And then likewise, when it he talks about this, and I think I wrote these verses down because, and this is again, like you have to understand that homosexuality is addressed as a sin in the Bible. Cause I think that that's one thing that you can be, I was going to so say, many... yeah,
0: we kind of have to go back and just start there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like right now, because, or are you saying in general? Well, I think so. Yeah.
0: Well, because I think that that's where it starts. I think there's a lot of confusion around this in the church, whether, um, Does the Bible teach same-sex relations, or is it morally wrong? I think the church is really confused on this issue, and kids are confused on whether it is wrong, and then why Hmm. is it wrong. Mm -hmm. And so maybe if we don't even have that grounding, and we think that the Bible says it's okay, I think this comes from a lot of biblical illiteracy. And I actually have a lot of verses pulled up. You want to read some of the ones that you have?
1: Sure, well, we'll start with the New Testament because it seems like, you know, people are more likely to throw out the Old Testament stuff, you know, quicker than they are the New Testament. But 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, this is a, a popular one, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he uh, says, Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, or nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, and that was some of you, that like, that. that's who some of you were, he goes, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Clearly, like the, all those practices were prior Christ, and because of the work of Christ, that is no longer you at all. And, and it's that, the same word there. When, I mean, I don't even know what translation this is. I had the wrong one pulled up here. But uh, when it addresses the homosexuality here, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, in Leviticus, it's a different word. Like when it's the actual, you know, like the original. In
0: Leviticus, it says, you shall, um, 18.22 says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13, if a man lies with a man as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Um, in Jude one seven it says just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual morality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire.
1: Yeah, I mean going back to the desires, I mean that's what is talked about in Romans uh, one. Yes, like men with burned with fat passion for men.
0: It says here, for their women exchanged, na- okay, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions and I think we're seeing a lot of that today. Mm. For their women exchanged natural relations for those which are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Mm. Which I think is kind of an interesting Yeah, note. that is
1: interesting.
0: Uh, we have a lot of sicknesses due to this. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done.
1: Yeah. And what I was going to say, this is something that Dr. James White mentioned, is that and I wasn't aware of this. There's a lot of things I'm not aware of, but he was talking about that that word in First Corinthians, you know, some liberal scholars will say, well, we actually don't know if it's the same like type of homosexuality, you know, like the sexual acts that they're talking about in Leviticus, because it's different, it's a different word, right? And and then this was so cool to see Dr. James White. He's like, no, when, because obviously the, there was the Hebrew, you know, Old Testament, the original, and then, but the Greek, so the Greek version of the Old Testament, the subduent, how do you say that? Subduent? The Greek, subduent. The the Greek translation of, so Paul's writing First Corinthians in Greek, yes. right? The first test, the Old New Testament is written in Greek. And he then, so he uses the Greek word, which was the same Greek word that was used in the Greek subduitant for the act of homosexuality. Does that make sense? So even though it's like, they go back to the Hebrew and they're like, well, see, you can't say, you can't translate it to that because in Hebrew it was this and we don't know what the translation is. Well, like everybody for thousands of years had accepted it as... Like, no, this is what the word is. When people go
0: back to one word and there's just tons of translations that are reinforcing what this word means, and then they go and they try to pick apart that one word, this happens with submit, this happens with the rod in the Bible, this happens with a lot of highly touchy points that we want to explain away, Um, you just need to be really careful about doing that. Mm, We need to take the greater context as well, which is yeah, the Lord's actually very explicit on homosexuality in Scripture, but say we even took that away, we see um, what his design was, and that is Mark ten six through 9. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Hmm. He could have thrown another option in there if he wanted, right? We have the whole intersex debate. We aren't getting into that today, but love thy body does a great job with that. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Wherefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. We have God's design of marriage very clearly throughout all of scripture. We have his design for sexual relations very clearly throughout all of scripture. And so even if we want to go in and pick apart what he says not to do, we still are at a loss because he's very clear on what to do. Mm. I think that we need to be very careful, especially with um, siblings and parents and cousins and children who are struggling with these things because Romans 132 says although they know god's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death they not only continue to do these very things but also approve of them who practice them Mm. and this is just in regards to any sin Mm. you know this could just be you know living with your girlfriend Mm -hmm. if we're approving of that happening on sin of sin of any level um we're in danger of of judgment for that and so we need to be very careful about what we're affirming Mm,
1: that is yeah something else that I've heard mentioned before, too, is that people will say because, you know, the only practice of sex, of homosexuality during this time was usually oppressive, right? It was like more powerful men having, like, you know, young boy prostitutes or something like that. Um, so it was very oppressive. That's why it was condemned. But that Romans, I mean, which has been proven historically to not be the case for, for already, but then also even that Romans says their passion for one another. Like this, it wasn't like this was just this oppressor and oppressed. That's actually a good point. But it's like, no, they had this mutual affection for one another, and that is condemned. And that's that's what he's talking about uh, in, in those verses.
0: Yeah. Going back to that whole concept of you cannot be a gay Christian, there's an awesome article we'll link down below. But this was Rosiera. Is that how you say her name? Butterfield? Rosaria. Rosaria, some, Butterfield. Uh, yeah. Um and she said, gay is not who you are, even though it represents how you feel. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know her story, it's pretty powerful how she was a practicing gay activist mm-hmm. or a lesbian who really was saved and believed what God said to be true. She says, if you believe gay is who you are, it's impossible to war against your homosexuality as a sin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what um, the church the, the church that doesn't believe the Bible wants us to believe is well, they just don't want it to be an issue anymore. So sure, you could be a gay Christian, just don't go out there and act on it. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, oh, this is really hurting people to define themselves by their sin, going around saying, I'm an adulterating Christian, right? Like, that's just not how we define ourselves. That's not who we're defining Christ. And it
1: doesn't matter how long that battle lasts, right? Like, no, we yeah. believe there's victory in Christ and that you can walk more and more free from your sin. I mean, I think he sets us completely free when he died on the cross, but as we grow and mature and we learn more about him, we oftentimes get to experience that more and more in our practical life. But there's at no point, like you said, you you fill that with any other sin, especially if it's a sin of the heart, right? Because that's what the argument is, is that, hey, I'm not acting on this. It's just something that I have this disposition, but that, that God talks about this this with covetousness. You know, in, covetousness is an ish, it's a, oh, a sin of, The heart. I mean, all sins are sin of the heart, but then oftentimes they lead to action, right? And with covetousness, we do not define ourselves as covetous Christians, right? No, that would be a silly thing to do, and because we know that we're not defined by a thing that we might have a a propensity towards that's sinful. That's not true about God. And like you said, Katie, if if you have a lifelong battle of you know looking at even sinning in a heterosexual Wait, looking at a woman that's not your wife, it's like, man, I just, I keep, it's like, you don't just accept it and say, at it that is point, what it is, it is, it it is, is. Who I am. this is who I am now. You know, I'm an adulterous Christian mm-hmm. and it's just something I'm going to have to live with. It's like, no, that's you fighting the good fight of faith is believing that you can overcome those sins that are so, so easily entangle us uh, and that you can walk freed from them no matter the sin. And, and so, yeah, again, it is so bizarre how this has just been, uh, its own category is being created for this Yeah, and it is so, so bizarre. And it's such a, it's because of, this is what gets so annoying is because you just see how culture is the driving force for most Christians, like for most churches, yeah, it's, it's not, not, not God's word. And so you're like, Oh, how come 20 years ago, nobody thought this? And it's like, well, cause they weren't being pressured as much by the culture. And then all of a sudden it's like full church, like mission statements are changed. Full doctrines are changed. Like not because, because of a fear of man man. being like, Oh, well maybe we don't understand. Maybe this is more complicated. I can't speak to it. Okay. You know, and they just, they fold and there's no, like I said, there's, we're, we're far more prone to conserve that, which we understand the most. And you have to understand where God stands on this and then conserve it.
0: Yeah. And I think when children are confused, this isn't to say that I think it's, let me start this over. Children are very often confused when they are very, very little about everything. It's our job as parents to tell them what is true and to make certain absolute truths black and white. Mm. If they say that someone else is their mommy, no, that's not your mommy. I'm your mommy. You don't Mm. get to define who your mommy was that has been defined for you. And, you know, growing up, I had one sister, I remember she was sitting in her car seat and we were all really little at the time, but it stuck out to me because we were talking about what we were going to do when we grew up to be mommies. And she said, well, I want to be a daddy. And my mom goes, well, you aren't going to be a daddy because, you know, you're going to be a mommy one day or if you get married and have kids. And she's like, well, I want to be a daddy. And she just really held to that. And, you know, Time goes on and turns out she didn't think being a daddy was so great. But the funny thing is about culture right now is you have that or you have, you know, one of my brothers who would come out in a princess dress and my mom would be like, right, they have seven sisters. My mom would be like, or my dad, hey, go, we don't, we don't wear the girls clothes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is so common for little boys to get into little girls clothes and little girls to get into little boys clothes and you just go, hey, we don't do that. We don't pretend we're girls. We don't pretend we're boys.
1: Yeah, you're training In a
0: story, them. you're just teaching them what's yeah. appropriate for their gender. And when kids, the kids that do end up older and are more confused, again, we can point back to the beautiful, clear roadmap that God gave us, which is our bodies, mm. our actual physical bodies and say, this is the roadmap. This is how you look. This is how God designed you he was very clear on who you are. Mm -hmm. And so we get to work from that place instead of thinking, oh, we're going to help our kids by reworking everything where they're never going to be a whole human. They will always be disjointed and um, pulled apart. So we get to show them who they were designed to be. And we also get to Show them who they are in Christ, which is not bound to sin. Mm. And they can be free in Him from any sin that they're experiencing. Um, But I mean, yeah, we've definitely had this in our own family where we have, you know, the boys dress up in the girls' clothes or say they want to be a girl or, you know, Lucy wants to be a boy because for whatever reason, she's actually never said that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, as I'm like saying this, I'm like, she just wants another sister. But, you know, if that ever were to happen, you just. It's not a big deal. These aren't culture wants to make it seem like it's this groundbreaking aha moment where your two year old has fa- discovered their true identity and you as a parent are supposed to jump on that or treat it with some kind of sobriety instead of just pointing them back to, oh, no, that's not who you are. And um, I think it is so sad that so many parents, kids who's our tradition or transitioning are parents of influence and they are choosing to make themselves more in the limelight by exposing their child and being like, aren't I a great person? My child is transitioning or my child is gay or my Mm -hmm. child is all these things. And it's such a selfish motivator Yeah, instead of just having that be quiet and behind doors and just continuing to point your child to who God designed them yeah. to
1: be. I mean, Jesus says, well, unto to you who cause these little ones to stumble. You're like, dude, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. They like, deserve it. It's yeah. Terrible.
1: That is terrifying. I mean, and I, am wondering if, you know, um, part of the discussion around who knows, you know, with the label of gay Christian, where that stemmed from. Cause I could see there being a time where people didn't know how to confess, homosexual sin or homosexual sinful desires uh you know and there's like i don't even know how to i don't even know how to have this conversation and that's something that we that we wholeheartedly agree in is that there's forgiveness and redemption for everyone for for, all all sins sins. i mean the bible says if we're faithful to confess our sins or if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness like there is no sin that like outruns the grace of God. And so there with repentance and, you know, um, confession, it's like all can be made new in Christ. And so that's I want to make sure we make that clear that like that is that is a fact that is like the there's no sin that they're just like, oh, you did that. Well, you're never going to be a Christian now because no, like, you did no, that no. one. We're <laughs> talking about when you have put your faith in Christ, you don't identify with that person anymore at all. None of us identify with the old man and what their and what that old man's you know propensities were and and natural desires were he's been put to death and that's a clear part of being a coming to christian is the old man needs is put to death and we are now a new creation in Jesus Christ and so, like I don't, you're it's dead. Like so that all those desires you view as dead now, and your new desires are the new man in Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, and I think of you know even talking to Doctor Cardaris on our screen episode, and he's a psychologist. Is that what you yeah say? And even a secular psychologist is saying we are seeing. These like gender confusion skyrocket. He said it's up 400%. And it's just because people are looking around and seeing what's happening on social media and starting to question themselves. And so we need to. Just like bring the Bible alongside, bring uh, just truth alongside and just really secure our kids. I think we need to be aware of who they're listening to, what they're seeing, because we are so easily swayed into thinking that something else is reality Mm -hmm. just by peer pressure or if people say it enough, we start to believe it. I'm reading um, Animal Farm right now. We're finishing it up with the kids. And it's so funny because the first time I read Animal Farm, I was telling Elisha, i started to believe all the propaganda halfway through the book. And I was flipping through to the first part being like, that's not what I remember, but is that what it said? And I was so confused. And that's what is happening in our society. We're thinking, well, that's not what I thought was the case, but is is that really the case? Because everyone around me is saying that's the case. Right. And we need to get so used to just, um, Treating these things like psychologists have treated them in the past, which is this is a mental sickness in a lot of cases or a physical sickness in a lot of cases. This is not a healthy individual choosing something that is um, unhealthy for them. This is an unhealthy individual choosing something that is unhealthy for them. And we just need to treat it like what it is If um, at at any level. This is an unhealth. This is unnatural. And um, sometimes it's like a straight up sin issue like what you were talking about, but I also wanted to pose that, um, there are also just sometimes we have sickness in our mind as well that can stem into sin, but also like we just need, um,
1: to get our mind right, to get, yeah, (laughs) like,
0: like it's a health issue with our, with our brain and there are people that struggle with mental illness.
1: Yeah. I tell you what, I'm so motivated to study God's word like fervently this year, every year, the rest of my life, every day. Uh, cause it's the, I mean, I know this example is used all the time, but I'll use it again. It's the whole secret service, like how they study to identify counterfeits isn't by studying counterfeits. It's by mm. only by just studying the real thing. And I think that the more secure you are and grounded you are in God's word, when those lies approach you when you hear them you can confidently say no that's not true and and i want to be able to equip my kids with that and, and and we need to be that for our kids like you said we don't need to add to their confusion as they are trying to figure out up from down uh i mean this has happened it's happened to numerous times in our home and i'm sure this i'm sure our listeners can relate you know our kids coming back from the park being I mean, like mommy the kid at the park said two girls can get married and we're like well no he said yeah he said he said his aunt is marrying a girl and he says he's seen them kiss and mm-hmm. he says that they can you're like oh okay well that's right there you're saying yeah that's not what god designed at all like and that's, that's sinful, also not that's marriage wrong, that's, that's not marriage legal yeah,
0: exactly. binding um but that's not a covenant yes covenantal marriage which is be- which is a representative of the of the trinity which is god at the middle of that union between a husband and a wife it's not two people choosing to sign a piece of paper
1: yeah and you don't say oh well some people you know, we don't really believe in that, but some people think that's okay. And so they'll, mm-hmm. they, they do that, you know, and it, like, you can't make it confusing for them with that, with, with a well, so, scenario like yeah,
0: that. It's not true. I think it's interesting how queer theory really enforces gender stereotypes. Um, this boy in the Love Thy Body book gave this example where he was at the time identifying as queer and he said in the queer community we were told never define a person by their body. Hmm. So again, we're equating the body to nothing. Mm -hmm. We could kill it, we could mutilate it, we could do whatever. Um, But we define who we are by our actions. So like, if I act stereotypically masculine, then I must be a male. If I act stereotypically female, then I must be a female. Hmm. And it's so funny because we think, oh, this is such a loving thing to do, but really we're like, and we think the Bible's being so hard on genders. No, the Bible's saying you can be a girl and you can be a rough and tumble girl. You can be a tomboy. You, can, you don't have to be the frilly, frilly whatever, but you're still a girl. Mm-hmm. And I think of that, they're just equating who you are to your actions, yeah. stereotypically, instead of saying there's a way broader picture here. There are men who are more sensitive, who are more thoughtful, who don't, like all the stuff that they're told to like that does not make them a woman that just makes them a man that likes those things i thought
1: you were saying makes them a gay christian (laughs) no
0: No, i mean it's a really serious issue but i'm just saying the way we put genders in boxes is actually so small when it comes to these queer communities And the way God designed gender is a lot bigger than how these people who supposedly have all these open minds define gender. Mm. Which is, oh, if you put on a dress and wear lipstick, then you must be a woman. You know, like that's just so demeaning to a woman Mm. or to a man and to who you actually are.
1: Yeah, I do wonder as this continues to play out. Cause, cause you know how like everybody started deconstructing like 10 years ago or five yeah, years ago yeah, or whatever. It's like the millennial. Verge. And, um, and it's interesting cause in a lot of ways there's something almost, um, relieving. I feel like when people actually come out and denounce the faith, cause you're like, okay, now we know where they're at. They're not a Christian. And what do you do with non-Christians? You preach the gospel to them, right? Yep, you, you love you, them and you preach you the gospel. Lo- you, pre- you evangelize, you like try to win them to Christ, uh, But a lot of these guys, it's almost kind of nice that they made it that obvious. They're kind of like, no, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't don't believe in it. Because what's more confusing was when people try to do it, you know, they're kind of like, well, no, you can have multiple partners or you can be in a same-sex relationship or, you know, you can identify as whatever you want to identify as. But yes, Jesus loves you. You know, we love Jesus. The Bible's pretty, pretty good. That's way more confusing and and not helpful at all. And that's, I think, more damaging in a lot of ways than, than...
0: Saying you can ultimately make the Bible fit your narrative,
1: yeah. It's, I think it's helpful in a lot of ways when these guys are like, okay, because that's the other thing too. I know it's a joke, but it oftentimes is is the truth. Whenever somebody deconstructs the question, always like, oh well, who they want to sleep with? Because I think that people that actually know the Bible know the conflict there, and mm-hmm. so that's so I think some of the like you know more um, figurative Christians that have deconstructed. It's like, they actually knew the Bible and they knew that everything that they were doing and wanted to do was not Christian and they could not be a Christian and a servant of Christ, a slave to Christ. They're like, well, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to reject the whole thing then. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they knew that they couldn't do both. And it is interesting that, that that is the case. And I think it is far more harmful when people are confused and, and they're like, well, am I a Christian and I can still do these things? You're like, well, no, just somebody needs to tell them no. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: that's very encouraging. You're, you're showing your children, like, who are you picking? Are you picking being a slave to Christ, like you said, or are you being a slave to self mm-hmm. and and sin, ultimately? That's the conflict here. It's not what kind of Christian are you going to be. Yeah. Who, who are you going to um, be with as a, you know, sexual partner? And I know that I started this off, um, you know, I made it kind of confusing starting off, but going back to why I started where I started with how this whole... Uh, ethic that we're dealing with, with right now. The secular sexual ethic. It is not loving to the person on any level. It is degrading it's demoralizing, it's saying their body doesn't matter, it's not valuing the human, and it's saying that your highest self that you can attain is this fragmented, disjointed, conflicted self where you look at your body and you are frustrated because your mind and your body are not lining up. And even when you change it, you're still frustrated and you're still confused because we are not man and woman on simply what's between our legs. Every single cell is like on a chromosomal level, is male or female. And so we can change any number of things about ourselves and try to override any amount of um, processes in our body. And at the end of the day, we are still conflicted. And God knew what he was doing when he created a harmonious, loving, whole body, whole mind approach in his design to humanity. And it is not loving to encourage someone to embrace this broken reality and say, Oh, I'm going above and beyond to encourage them to embrace this.
1: Hmm. No.
0: And it's also, you know,
1: talk about a miserable existence. It is. It's miserable. That sounds. So
0: like, would we be happy if our children are in this separated existence from God or in a miserable existence from God, believing that they are someone who God did not create them to be? No, how could we be happy for that?
1: Yeah, not at all.
0: Like, I don't see any way around being happy for them. Yeah. From a, from a loving, thinking my kids are the most awesome people perspective, it has nothing to do with whether society says it's great or not. If society in 50 years says our kids are totally dorks for choosing, you know, someone of the opposite sex to mm-hmm. marry and have kids with or whatever... Who cares? Yeah. Like, I don't give a rip about what anyone else says about our kids. Yeah. But I do care about their souls and um, who God says that they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is, because like you said, there's the obvious, no, we wouldn't be happy if they declared, you know, opposition to Christ and decided to live in enmity towards God and and divulge into sin. Like, Mm -hmm. that's an obvious one. Um, But then... As Christians, this I think, what you should, how you should yeah. feel, but even like you said, you and some people do this. Like, well, what if they're happy? Would you then be? And you're like, yeah. well, no. First, the first one still remains priority. It's like, no, I'm not happy because they're destined yeah. for hell, separated from Christ, and I'm not happy about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two, I don't. They're not. This isn't a good life for them. They like, also they're, aren't, happy. and they're also not happy. Yeah. Like this is just it's total just total turmoil, right. and yeah. I don't, I don't, and this is something that I, I do wonder, like, what Christian, how Christians can, you think about, like, what's the off-ramp for people that have transitioned, you know, like, what, because that is the powerful thing about the LGBTQ whatever community, you know, the whole, like, sodomite community, I don't know, what whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, is that, it is that, it is mm-hmm. a home for people, it mm-hmm. is, like, they a are, it's a community and and you're like well man like they're like I'm not gonna leave this like I'm because I'm gonna be in no man's land you know and it's gonna be really interesting to see because I totally believe God's gonna save people that have transitioned he does all you know the he, time. yeah he does all the time and he's gonna continue to save these people and you're like man how do you you know we want to minister to those people and mm-hmm. and um yeah spread the hope of the gospel to that to anybody and everybody yeah. And and because there are so many people, I guess what I'm saying is there's going to be just a huge influx I think, you know, over the next Yeah,
0: of people deconstru- 10 and 20 years. de- de-transitioning yeah. or um if they did transition or just leaving that community because they believe what the Bible says to be true. Yeah. You know, we were just in Maui and there was a giant No, Oahu It was a... It was a Wahoo. There was a giant... We happened to be there for a big like...
1: It was their pride weekend. Pride
0: weekend. And it was just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And thousands. Oh, like thousands thousands. and thousands and thousands. It was was insane. And our our hotel hosted all the parties. It was was a a lot. And it just... My heart broke for these people and for their children who are being deprived of one one parent. Oh, my word. You know what I mean? Like, just on a developmental level for their children, they're having to say all these things to stick with the program and they're being deprived of a parent yeah. that, that God didn't deprive them of, you know, they didn't it wasn't like God took a parent um home, you know?
1: I mean maybe he did, but like like killed one of the parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I'm saying like, killed, like in these the in died, a yeah.
0: lot of these situations, there isn't That's special grace for the child. Does that make sense? Yeah, Like, I think God gives us the grace to walk through things that he takes us through, but it's just kind of crazy. Oh, when it's
1: like these self-imposed yeah, things. Yeah, when it's that... these
0: self-imposed things, it's just really brutal for the child. No and doubt. Anyways, what I what I want to be clear on is that we are not, um, like you've mentioned this a lot of times, but I just want to clarify this. It's not the, that, you know, if one of our children has um, same-sex sin issues and they come to that us with that, we're just going to freak out and be like, "Oh my word, you are!" Uh, they're they're a believer, and if they are saved by God's grace, then we are just going to encourage them as we would with praying and confession, mm-hmm. and with encouragement from other resources and other people. How to navigate, you know, mm-hmm. how to navigate this, and mm-hmm. how to not live in sin, just like we would with any other sin that our children are going to bring us, because. Yeah. They're going to bring us a lot of sin.
1: Yes. You know, Lord willing, Lord willing we I want to they, be yeah. the
0: people that they come to with their sin. And so do we want what's best for them there? Are we going to absolutely love them there? And yep. yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely. And and I don't, I hope those conversations happen early and often. Yeah. Um, especially because of the cultural acceptance of homosexuality, there's going to be so much more public displays of affection between homosexual couples. I mean, there already is, obviously it's like, yeah. like you do, you, you'll see g- gay couples showing affection in public and lesbian mm-hmm. couples showing affection in public. And and so I think it's going to prompt, it, it should prompt the conversation a lot more. Like and we might have to be the ones to initiate it. And, I just don't want to be devastated and and mind blown if one of my sons because l- life's weird and confusing right, and adolescence well, is weird yeah, it is. and it's like it man is. i yeah I don't know I saw you know two guys kissing, and i i was kind of I felt weird about it, you know, mm-hmm. and and like they're trying to say like I, I, did, I did I like that, did I not like mm-hmm. it, and just to have the firm truth of God, yeah. you know just to be like okay like like no you said, shame, I, like I, like we yeah. can that's not that's that's a sinful thought, it's a sinful desire you confess that you pray that God would just continue to draw your heart towards whoever he has for you, that woman, you know, and that he brings her into your life. That conversation, I mean, not directly with like the homosexual thing, but that conversation happened all the time between my dad and me, Mm -hmm. you know, like where it's like, yeah, well, he does have a woman for you and just pray that, your hearts kept for her. Your eyes are kept for her, and you can continue leaning into that. But I, I, I want to kind of expect those conversations. Well,
0: I like how you're. We do expect those sin conversations, and we want to also expect, like you're saying, those homosexuality conversations mm-hmm. because it's so on display now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us as parents will be having these discussions with our kids that people weren't having um, decades ago, just because it wasn't so in their face. Yeah. And so when you're just uh, when you're going through puberty and there's so many sexual things going on, I- I'm not shocked if one of my children is going to experience same sex attraction. Mm-hmm. In a in a moment, like mm-hmm. I just don't think that that's weird. I also think dreams are really bizarre.
1: I think it's unnatural. Yes, like, yes. We don't say like, oh, this is normal. Everybody, no, no. That's no. Not what we're saying this is not it's unnatural, unnatural. But the unnatural from fact God's that design. it's just
0: presented there on the street is also unnatural. These pictures that are coming yep. into your mind that you're having to process, that's unnatural. Mm-hmm. And so, how your body is processing that and your mind He's, is processing it's that, out.
1: trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'm
0: not saying. It, it, it's they're gonna not trip out over that and i brought up the dream thing too because i think it's so bizarre how we see things out in public and we can't control how that is processed either like with our dreams and i remember going to my parents with dreams where i was like I don't even know how I thought this Dude, stuff up. Same
1: with me. It, it, again, I'm and not going to share it on felt the podcast. So guilty. Me too. With the things, it's like I had this. This happened in my dream. But
0: it's like this it's like, weird mashup on? of what you've yeah. seen during the day and your body trying to process it and all this stuff. So, I guess we are expecting um, our kids to just go through puberty and we don't know what that's going to look like for them. And so we just want to pray and we want to treat it all the same way and point them to this is natural affection. This is unnatural. This Mm -hmm. is how God designed you. This is not how God designed you. And this is where there is incredible beauty and freedom and purity and sexual intimacy Mm -hmm. with someone. And it goes so far beyond just swapping a good feeling Mm -hmm. um, that's momentary and leads to death.
1: Yeah. It is. So. It Man, talk about the, one of the most overt and direct attacks on the family. It's it's so bizarre how this, since the beginning, it's just like Satan's primary objective has been to tear apart God's original design mm-hmm. of the family, you know, to pit the man, the husband and the wife against each other. Uh, and then brothers, you know, and the next thing it was brothers <laughs> against each other. You're like, he just wants to tear families apart. And it does. I think the stronger you can be in your marriage, the stronger we can be in our parenting, the Satan most open that. we can
0: be in our marriage with our own sin, yes,
1: all confessing of it. Exactly. that, not
0: letting that get stuffed down. Oh,
1: Satan hates that, you yeah. know. Like he just hates when that stuff's brought to the light and there's freedom in that. Yeah.
0: And one other thing I want to encourage parents with is that this is not the first time that this is happening either. Obviously, all these things are mentioned here in Scripture, and we live in a time where we can have a lot of fear as parents, but. Parents have been nag- navigating this in God's strength and wisdom yes. since the beginning of the world. Yes. You know, we had have had perverse things. God completely destroyed the world; it was so perverse. Mm-hmm. At one point, um, we've had Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, cities going up in flames mm-hmm. because. So much perverseness was going on there, and I mean, you just c- think of the Christians were created to live around sin oh, and to not be a part of the world. That yes. is always the case, and that will always be the yeah, case. Going
1: back to the context of Corinthians, just the the public debauchery that was going on in Corinth. Yeah, you know? Like yeah, that, it's that, that, that up. the church is what 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 are the they're bringing up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're teaching them what Christian biblical marriage looks like. They're exemplifying it, you know, with their spouse and, and growing towards that. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like the good news is that the gospel continues to go out. The church continues to grow. It's pretty
1: bizarre how, like, when you think about the church starting with those 12, you know, like, and what, I don't know. I just think of, like, my community. Like, it just, the gospel is pretty awesome and it's persistent. I tell you what, it's persistent.
0: It is alive and well and powerful and supernatural and, The gospel is not going anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, praise the Lord for that. Yeah.
1: We can probably call it, yeah?
0: Call it a day. We love you guys, and we pray for wisdom as you navigate relationships that are close to you, that you care about, that you want to keep, and you want to navigate in the most loving, Christ-filled way. We pray the Lord gives you wisdom.
1: Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.